0: Log Talk Radio Life
1: is super sonic. We've gotta be the body to rock it Like we're never gonna see it again we are exploding, the world is gonna know it's we'll rocket it like you're never gonna see us again. Come
0: on over. Come on over. And a very good evening to you everyone. It is 11 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Wednesday night. Yes, I said Wednesday night, not Monday, not Tuesday, but we're going with Wednesday night this week, folks of Pure Gold. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything, and I'm sure we'll cover everything and anything tonight. My name is Joe Buccino, and my tag team partner and co-host is David Gomez. Sir, how are you?
1: Doing great, sir. Excited, as always, folks. To be a part of the show, make sure you give us a call at Once again, 714-364-4721. Make sure you check us out at PureGoldPG.com, Although I haven't do it with the last couple of episodes, that will changing very shortly. You can check out all of our past episodes and all of our wonderful guests. JB, what do we have on tap this afternoon?
0: Uh, We're gonna talk about everything and anything, like a, my tag, our tagline says. But let me just ask you: Are you like in a different planet or something? Because you sound so distant tonight.
1: Well, sir, what can I say? I mean, you know, the facts are the facts, and the numbers don't lie. Just trying out a headset here so I don't have to have my phone up to my ear the entire night considering the fact that, you know, that's usually what happens. And it can be pretty tedious sir, to sit here for an hour with my hand to my face.
0: Yeah, I can hear you a little better now. And, uh, you know, tonight's the true test of um the the millions and millions of fans that listen to us and follow us on Twitter. And, you know, you know, we'll see if Elwood tonight will actually call in. Because, you know, we've done our show on Monday. We've done our show on Tuesday lately. Today we're doing it Wednesday because of you know not technical difficulties, but because PG rolls whenever and wherever they want to roll. So tonight it's Wednesday and we're doing our show. So let's see if Elwood would call in tonight and discuss whatever is on his mind. If he doesn't, I got plenty of content, sir. For you, are you ready? Of
1: course, sir. I am always ready. What's on tap this evening,
0: sir? I mean, let's just talk about the the big the big news that's happened over the last week or so because it's out there, even though we're not Yankee fans. You know, the announcement of the captain of the New York Yankees, Mr. Derek Jeter, has announced that this will be his... <laughs> El Capitan, if you will, has announced that this will be his last season. And, I, you know, I, I want to talk on, on different angles about this, because it's, it's really interesting to me that somebody that's so quiet, so reserved... Um, would go and, and announce his retirement before the season actually starts. Makes me think maybe he wants some attention, maybe just like Mariano Rivera did last year. I don't know, sir. Uh, give me your thoughts on when you first heard it. I the one thing I must say before you I give you, I ask for your thoughts is that um, it's a sure sign of getting old when you know somebody like a Derek Jeter is announcing his retirement. It does make you feel kind of old, doesn't it, sir?
1: It does. I'm sure Derek feels a lot older than I do right now. But the interesting thing about it is that, uh, I mean, when I found out, I was in tears. Uh, I was shocked. I cried. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. It was probably the worst time of my life. And uh, things have only gotten progressively worse since then. I've gotten involved in heavy drugs and drinking. And all because, wow. Yeah, you know, all because Derek Jeter decided to uh, to retire. I mean, it's brutal. You know, Yankee fans make me laugh. And I'm not going to sit here. I'm not the Yankee hating some that you are. But, you know, the fans really just annoy the crap out of me. And, I mean, they're going nuts. They're over here foaming at the mouth. I'm going to cry. when they cry. And what do you expect? Derek here is pushing 40. I mean, the guy's been playing since he was like 16, 18, whatever the hell it was. You know what? It's time to go. It's time for him to retire. I mean, Mo retired last year, so I guess this only makes sense. I mean, yeah, he's going to be he's 40 in the middle of the season. So, you know what, Derek, it's time to go. It'll be 20 years. You know, it's, it's, that's it. Hang it up lock it up, throw away the key. I mean, again, no offense to Derek. He's Obviously, a, he's a great ball player, first out Hall of Famer. But um, I just think the fans' reaction is ridiculous. People are batting, flying. I mean, he's been a shell of his, himself for the past few years. So, I mean, do people think that he was going to play his whole life? I, I don't understand. I really don't. And it makes sense. Like I said, now that Malt retired, it makes sense that Jeter, you know, lock it up, throw away the key, and then after 2014, no more quote-unquote original Yankees are here. They're gone. It's over. Time to turn the pacer.
0: It definitely is. But, you know, again, questions arise when I hear this kind of stuff because we're, we're a talk show and we break down, you know, pretty much everything and anything. Um, it's just, it's interesting to me that somebody that's so, you know, not in a mean way, but he's so calculated in the way his press conferences are, they're pretty boring, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just interested in your thoughts on, do you think this was a money-making scheme that he announces his retirement now? Everywhere he goes, he's definitely going to sell out Yankee Stadium. Um, and we know that the ticket sales have not been really that good over the last couple of years, maybe because that's because the Yankees haven't won a, t- a championship, or maybe because the prices are so high. But, sir, he announces his retirement before the season starts. And now, everyone's going to want to buy up the tickets. they want to watch Derek Jeter one last time, the captain, if you will, so do you think this was a calculated move? Do you think that this was something that he just wanted to get out there so that he didn't have to worry about the whole year? Give me your thoughts on why do you think Derek Jeter did it like before the season started
1: I think it's, I think it's a mix of everything. I think that Derek is a smart man. Derek has always taken into trouble he's never never once in my entire life have I heard anything bad about Derek Jeter, and obviously you could say the same thing. So he's always been smart. He's always been wise in terms of who he goes out with, friends, et cetera, et cetera always keeping himself out of trouble. And, um, you know, this is calculated. I don't know if it was necessarily to sell more tickets, but, you know, it's possible. But I definitely think that Derek did it for a specific reason. I mean, it's probably also to get it off his chest, and maybe it was the he's trying to say, listen, why don't you – um." Let us know. But, I mean, think about it. If you're him, wouldn't you want to get out of the way as soon as possible? Why would you want this hanging over your head? And then in the middle of the season, it's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to retire. I just think he's done. I think he realizes that he looks at his, his uh, body of work. I mean, sir, he only played 17 games last year. I mean, hell, I look at the rest of his career, and he's a, pretty much the standard of durability. But, you know, I think that his numbers – I mean, his numbers are pretty decent, you know. Uh, I'm looking at 2012 here at 15 homers, 15 RBI, I get 316 year before that, 297, 270, 334. I mean, he had a hell of a career, hell of a hitter. Um, You know, I've I've always thought Derek was a bit overrated. I mean, they always talk about intangibles, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no doubt that he is, like I said, a first ballot Hall of Famer. But um, I don't think this is, like I said, I think a little bit of both. But I really think this is more Derek wanting to get everything, all the cards in the table Say, look, I'm retiring, I'm done, you know, deal with it type of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that point of view. I could also see the point of view that, you know, if he waits to the end of the year, I think that um he might be feeling like, you know, he he always, he always talks about the fans and and obviously it's a lie that the Yankees are the best fans in the world because, you know, we know that that's not true. I mean, if you if you're a Yankee fan older than this generation, you know that the Yankees were never they weren't always this good and you know, they weren't always spending the money to buy these free agents. So, I mean, Yankee fans might have been great to him per se. But um, the truth is that he didn't want to let his fans down. He wants to go out, um, not on top, but he doesn't also want to be like the the type of person that hangs around for more than you know more than he should. Because we've seen a lot of people uh, retire when they should retire maybe two or three years before that. Uh, Mario Rivera, I think, could have went another year or two, but even I think he started to break down. So I think he makes a, a wise decision in terms of just announcing his retirement now. Before he really breaks down completely, and the truth of the matter is, sir, he he might say his ankle is is fully 100 percent and he's he's ready to play, but we don't we don't know that until the the games start and the season starts and the wear and tear of the season. I mean, Derek Jeter may have announced his retirement, but he might end up getting hurt again, and his career might be over after I don't know 30 games. We hope not. I mean, you don't want to see that as a baseball fan, but uh, at that age and with uh, his injury to that ankle, we we just don't know how long. Or how durable he's gonna be even this season.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing. I mean, he did mention the fact that he felt you know, injuries started to catch up to him and it's like all right, well his body is telling him that it's time to go. So you know what, he's gonna to listen to himself. He knows Derek Jeter knows Derek Jeter better than anyone else, and he other fans are sad, but seriously he's given you twenty years of his life. He's had an amazing career. Like I said, no doubt, lock it, a first battle hall of famer, great player, get over it. Time to move on.
0: Bunch are, bunch are so we got we're gonna to have to hear this all year this year as non Yankee fans, you know, about you know, the Derek Jeter tour, the farewell tour, whatever. Um, you know, he he does announce his retirement, so good luck to you, Derek Jeter, and your future endeavors. You've been future endeavored. We should get him a T shirt. I'm sure we can find somewhere a T shirt that says, you know, future endeavored, because Derek Jeter of this year will be future endeavored. <laughs>
1: Yeah, okay,
0: sir. What is this, David Sort Sure, we'll get to that, too. Um, So, in terms of this, since we're on the topic of of the Yankees and Dirk G retiring, um, I I know you don't follow Vegas, but they come out with these certain lines, like the over and unders and how many wins a certain team will win this year. Vegas announced the over and under for the Yankees, and, um, you know, if you think about it, Vegas is pretty, uh, pretty accurate most of the time or else they wouldn't be in business. So they wouldn't be making the money, money. Um, any guesses on what the over-and-under for the Yankees' wins and losses for this year is?
1: Uh, I say the Yankees go undefeated this year because Derek Jeter is going to carry them to victory, and they will also go undefeated throughout the playoffs, and they will win every game and the World Series, sir.
0: Okay, so really, uh, an over-and-under, what would you guess as an over-and-under for the season?
1: Woo! I I don't care. I really don't. You tell me. Um, you you give this type of stuff more thought than I do.
0: You're gonna be surprised when you hear this. But then again, if you break it down, you look at their infield and their question marks. I guess that starting pitching, they don't have a, like a, a dominant closer anymore. Yes, Wayne. Um, what's the name? Wayne Robertson. Yeah, Wayne no, Robertson, no, right? Dave,
1: Rob- Dave Robertson.
0: Oh, Wayne or someone else is. somebody I used to work with at AMP. Anyway, Dave Robertson was uh is gonna be your new closer probably for the New York Yankees. But sir, the number that was given from Vegas and again if you're not a betting man, I know you're not, I mean, but this, this number is so low that I was astonished, but for the New York Yankees, the number was eighty three. So if you if you take money and you bet under or or you know, how can you not bet over on the New York Yankees? I don't remember the last time they won eighty three games or less. So they've bought a lot of people again this year. They have a decent starting pitching. You know, you don't know what CeCe, I guess, is going to give you. You don't know what Tanaka is going to give you. But still, the Yankees are the Yankees, I think, still, where they could give you at least 85 to 88 wins. I mean, 83 seems so low, don't you think?
1: Um, It does seem so so low, but I think that the reason that is is because people are reminiscing over the old days with Mel Hall and, uh, you know, they have – all, all these guys, yeah, you remember him? They had all these guys, <laughs> deep backs, and, you know, the Yankees were terrible. I mean, I Jesse Barfield, you know, I remember playing the old old school video games on the Nintendo, and, I mean, the Yankees were awful. The Mets were bad, but the Yankees were terrible, too. And these uh, these newfangled fans today, they don't remember those dates, so that's that part of it fascinates me. But, yeah, any three wins, I think it's probably because people don't trust David Robertson over the long haul, or Wayne Robertson, whatever his name is. <laughs> The, uh, in the long haul, and um that's probably where it comes from because you don't have Mariano there. If you put Mariano on the team, i say the over/under is like 91, 92 wins.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it seems low to me. So I'm not—I—I'm I, obviously not going to be a betting man either. But like we—they t- talked about it um, recently on the fan, and and they, even they said that 83 seems kind of low. And uh, why not put a little wager on it? So. Uh, I, I thought that was pretty interesting, and while we're talking baseball, we might as well just talk about the New York Metropolitans. And you know, this this is a season again. We could we're going to be talking about it throughout the year, but this was a season that the pieces were going to supposed to come together, but an unfortunate Tommy John surgery to you know our ace. Um, derailed that a little bit but sir in a year or so the Mets might have a surplus of starting pitching which could help them either you know bulk up the outfield or, or just get more offense to this team but my question to you is at this point are there any other free agents that the Mets should lock up um, I hear Steven Drew's name a lot and I don't even know why you know he's he's an upgrade yes but he's not like a a great upgrade. I, I don't know. I, somebody like Steven Drew is still out there. Do you think the Mets should go after him, or do you think that should they should stay status quo?
1: I mean, I, I don't, I don't see how they could stay status quo. Honestly, I, uh, you know, I really think about this. I really, 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 really think about this, and I think to myself, man, the, the Mets shortstop situation is so terrible. You know, you don't know what you're going to get out of a guy like, like Davis over first. dude, I think, you know, these guys are still on the team. And then when you look at the fact that they have no offense in the shortstop, I think that's brutal. I think Drew would be an upgrade, but probably too much money if they're going to give him a, a big deal. But the issue here becomes that nobody has signed Steven Drew, so that's going to bring his asking price down a lot. I mean, pitchers and catchers have already reported. You know, you're talking about we're, we're about to hit March. Games are going to start. No one has signed him. So, I mean, the, the guy's got to get antsy. He's got to get desperate. He's got to talk to Boris. So, I mean, if he brings the is that asking price down, you know, to something reasonable? I mean, you know, would you go after him in that
0: case? I mean, I w- I would only because again, you don't know what you're going to get stop, and you're right. When you, you mention um, another person that I really I don't want to forget about is Ike Davis. I mean. It seems like me and you love Ike Davis, but we've given him – I think we've given him too many passes. Is this the last year that he has a chance to prove himself? And if he doesn't prove himself to be that guy that's going to hit like 35 to 40 home runs at first base, is this finally the year that we say after this year, Ike Davis, you're not cutting in New York, you're out of here? I mean, I think we've given him too many passes as it is. Is this his final, final, final pass?
1: Well, honestly, I don't think that – I think if Davis, for thinking it up, and I think if he has a tough time, a tough goal, I don't think he's going to last the entire season, to be honest with you. But the thing is this, Ike, it's a double-edged sword because Ike basically has to come out of the gate swinging and hitting well, which he never does. So that's going to be a problem for him. Um, you know, if he has another one of his terrible April's, I, think he'll be, I don't even think that he'll continue to stay on the team. they will look for anyone to replace him. You know, I mean, last year was just such a – such a brutal year. Um, I don't know I don't know what happened to Ike. I mean, this guy hit 3,200 runs a couple years ago. You know, he hit in 2010 before the big injury. He almost hit 20 and you know, what, uh, in, in almost a full season. I mean, the guy has monster power, but I think if he thinks it up, he's going to be gone. I think that Duda will probably be gone at the end of the day. I think that the Mets um, have a lot of tough decisions to make, but the problem is they don't have the real talent to fill these holes, which I guess is the real issue. Now, when I hear people talk about, you know, especially the Wilpon, Sandy has a plan, Sandy has a plan, Sandy has a plan, that's great. I don't know what the hell Sandy's plan is. I mean, I read I read the tweet yesterday saying that Sandy's um, entire three years here have pretty much changed on players that he got from Omar's players, meaning guys that Omar um, and I had signed, and then he went and traded them off and he got, he got some talent. So really, like, what has Sandy really done? And I don't think you can go nuts on Sandy simply because of the fact that I mean, ownership hasn't allowed him to spend money because of their financial situation. So in, in that case, what can you do? But I think the real problem with the Mets is, again, Curtis Grandison should there going to be an upgrade. Uh, Chris Young, I'm not excited about that. Um, Mr. Bartolo Colon is going to be an upgrade. If you had Harvey on this team healthy, I think the Mets had a better chance of doing something. I mean, I think the Mets will be competitive to a certain point. But you cannot bring Ruben Tejada back on this team. You can't let this guy fly as the starting shortstop. He can hit he just, he's not a good player. You know, fans going nuts over him. And, oh, you know, he's going to replace Jose Reyes. I, I said it before. I'll say it again. You're a moron and, you know, get a clue. Because this, this sorry bum of a player cannot support, cannot replace, cannot in any shape or form even live in the shadow of someone as good as Jose Reyes. Yes, Reyes has been injured, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, Messi your an upgrade at some of these positions. They need to get more offense because... If you're counting on David Wright and Curtis Granderson to (coughs) carry the offense, you're in trouble. That's that's a fact. Wright is not a franchise player. Wright is not the best player on the team. That's is not the kind of guy that he is. He's a second or third best kind of guy. Um, Granderson clearly is not uh, a second or even a third best. So The Mets are going to be in some trouble scoring runs. I mean, if Davis comes back to form, that is going to make a humongous difference. I honestly think Ike Davis is the key to this season not being a complete waste, you know, from from the start of the season.
0: Okay, you're right over there. Yeah, I'm fine.
1: that's uh, okay. that's pretty much how I see it. Sir. What do you think?
0: Um, yeah, I agree with you in some points. and some points, I I don't know. Like, um, I look at Citi Field. I look at a, a baseball uh, stadium that is curtailed to to pitching. I don't think if you brought in the the best free agents. Well, you, you can't bring the best of the best, but if you brought in some really good free agents, I really don't think that even they would hit home runs. I don't think. Somebody like Curtis Granderson coming to the Mets, he's not going to hit your 40 home runs like he did at Yankee Stadium because let's face it, Yankee Stadium is a band box. city field is a pitcher's field. So maybe, just maybe, the Mets are a little bit smarter than we give them credit for. Maybe they're building up the farm system. Maybe they're, they're they're starting pitching, and they're what they really need to focus on is hopefully making some of these these pitchers that they have coming up in the next couple of years into great relievers as well. Because I, I think that if the Mets, yeah, add a piece or two. Um, obviously right now what they have offensively is putrid, but if they don't have to go after the megastar, uh, I think a Curtis Grandison's a decent signing, but you're not gonna have a team that's gonna hit home runs, especially at City Field. I think this is a team that needs to focus on their pitching and win with their pitching. I think uh I don't wanna say that they're gonna look like the Atlanta Braves, but the the Braves are a team that I think uh when you think about them that you think about their starting pitching, you think about that they they have some clutch hitting. They don't have the big boppers like, you know, like, say, the Yankees or the Phillies have because, again, they play in band boxes. The Mets play in City Field. So can we say that maybe the Mets are a little smarter than we think, sir, and thinking that let's build around the pitching and make sure that we have, like, you know, a great one through four and a decent fifth starter and maybe try to win that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible, but you still need offense and the Mets don't have it. That's the problem, sir. That's the real issue is that the Mets don't have offense. I mean Chris Young has power but he's gonna strike out a million times. Branderson has power, he's gonna strike out a million times. Again, you'd like to see the Wright being your number one guy, that's the real problem. The real issue is the fact that David Wright is just not your number one and the Mets have made it so he's he's it. You know, there's no there's no way around it. So I think with that mentality and that philosophy the Mets are gonna they're gonna struggle, you know, but I am definitely looking forward to this year. Far more than I've looked forward to any of the past, you know, three four years. So I mean, it is that. That alone to me is a good thing.
0: I think a lot hinges on their their catcher that they got from Toronto too. Um, what, what's his name? Darno.
1: Yep, Darno. So I mean, if he does good and he's still ranked a high process, if he does well, I mean, that's definitely going to help out the offense. You know, if he can if he can help call the games and if he can hit, that's going to be a major boon. the problem is, as always. The Mets have no sure things, and they need way too many things to go right for this season to be decent. I think that's the real issue. And fans who are, you know, expecting a lot need to wake up and smell the coffee, sir. And the optimism of Mets fans always baffles me, considering the Mets have not won anything in almost 30 years.
0: We agree that the Mets, you know, if the Mets finished uh, a game or two above five hundred, like say they won 83 games, and went 83 and 79. We think that that would be a great year for them. But here's the thing: I don't agree with. Like your our owner Jeff Wilpon comes out and says either on the paper or on the radio says that you know we'll take we'll take 500 this year. But I, I think that sends such a complete uh, and utter joke of a message to the fan base if your owner is saying like. You know, we're going to be 500, and we're going to we're going to have we're going to consider that a successful year. I don't know how you get uh, how you're going to put seats. I don't know how you're going to put uh, people in the seats this year. If you're going to go out and, and actually publicly say that you know we'll take 500 this year, even though the fans you know subliminally think that 500 is going to be a good year or maybe a game or two above 500, it's a good stepping stone until next year when you know when we have our ace back. But let's face it, sir, our owner telling the the, the media saying 500 is a is a is our goal. I mean, is that what we've become? We've become a team that strives just to get to 500, and, and we're all about moral victories. I mean, again, this team plays in, in one. of the, plays in the tri-state area in New York City, the, the biggest city of the world, and now we're playing for mediocrity? We're playing for five hundred. It's That, to me, is a joke.
1: You know, I agree with you. Sadly, I agree with you. I do think it's the wrong message to send it. But at the end of the day, he's right, but you're right. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't. But the thing is, if you're going to say, oh, you know, we're going to have an amazing season, you're going to set fans' expectations high, or they're going to laugh in your face, it's a it's lose-lose a situation for the Wolves and the Mets. It's not said anything. He said, ch- you know, hey, I'm looking forward to, to an exciting year, and, you know, hopefully things will turn around stuff That's pretty much all you can say because when you look at the team and you start saying, well, you know, I'd settle for 500. Right now I would settle for 500. All things considered because the last two years, 70.80 is bad. I'd settle for 500 and then go from there when you have, you know, Cologne. It, did the Mets sign Bartolo come to a two-year deal, sir? I believe they did, didn't they?
0: It's a two-year deal, yes, oh. sir.
1: Right. So, I mean, they'll have him next year, they'll have Uh, Harvey back next year, hopefully you know better than ever. And I think that next year is the year you're really looking at. But they still need to make a lot of improvements. Bottom line, the Mets need a first baseman who can produce. The Mets need a real outfield. The Mets need a shortstop. The Mets need their catcher to hit. The Mets need everything to go right for them to be 500. And ultimately, that's what the problem is. You are right though. It it definitely sends a bad message to say, oh, you know, we're striving for 500. Really, you're striving for mediocrity. That's awesome.
0: yeah and you know just just another nugget um uh, which kind of relates to Mets. let me see if you know let me test your met history unfortunately, you know over the past week we we heard the uh passing of jim Fregosi, um you know former manager of the Phillies is what I knew him as but sir when jim Fregosi um is discussed um you know the unfortunate passing of um of him um uh, do you know in terms of the Mets what he's actually why he's like you know? associated with the Mets in history?
1: Yes, I do. He played on the Mets, but he was traded for the all-time no-hit and strikeout king, Nolan Ryan, in one of the worst trades in the history of professional sports. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. I was When I heard it, I was like, wow. I mean, I felt bad personally, um, you know, because, of course, you always hate to hear that kind of stuff, people dying, et cetera, et cetera, but I thought about Jim, and I thought about the fact that he's, he's linked to this infamous trade, and it's like, wow, man, it, it's crazy. Ralph Kinder passing away for those teams, regardless of what, he was a mess. I mean, you can't take that away from him, but uh, just put in a bad spot. Just like, uh, you know, guys who are traded for uh, Tom Seaver, et cetera, et cetera. You can't, you can't replace these iconic figures. And, yeah, Nolan Ryan was not the pitcher he ultimately became, you know, but um, just think about that. Think about how much better than that sort of benefit it kept Nolan Ryan there
0: it's really crazy and you know from one unfortunate passing to another unfortunate passing and uh we'll we'll try to keep it upbeat on the second half of the the show after we take a break but let's let's get to one more unfortunate passing sir king mabel viscera his real name uh, escapes me at the moment, but you could tell me. Um, the unfortunate passing of, again, Viscera Mabel, King Mabel, as as I remember him, just in that purple outfit, which was ridiculous, to be honest with you. Uh, but did you, did you hear about the unfortunate passing of Mr. Mabel? I did, sir. Uh, you
1: know, definitely. I think he was either 46 or 43. Uh, 43. He uh, was, you know, he died. Nelson Fraser is his name. He died uh, of a massive heart attack, and obviously he was a huge guy, so it's just a shame. And of course, our condolences go to his family, but it's never the type of thing you want to hear about, sir.
0: He's one of the elite, though. He actually won the King of the Ring, believe it or not, when the King of the Ring was we really met something.
1: King Mabel, yes, sir. Uh, I remember what a bad, bad choice that was. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that, sir. Um, it's a shame, you know, it really is, and you know, of course.
0: Death is unfortunately a big part of the life, sir. Yeah, definitely is. So when we when we let's take a break, sir, because it's about uh, we're almost at 11:30. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some wrestling. Talk about raw. The Elimination Chamber is coming up this Sunday. We'll get some predictions. We'll go over some nuggets that I have. Um, you know, some things that happened to you over the past week that I just you know I'd want you to vent out and let your let the PG audience know that you are in the right and make sure that uh. It doesn't happen to anyone else because what happened to you, sir, is just a travesty. Hey, this is Ana Rodriguez, and it's Texas USA 2011. And I want you to check out Pure Gold Radio at puregoldpg.com. You can listen in to their show every week with David and Joe. They are simply pure gold.
1: Hi, I'm Anna Prosser, Miss Oregon USA 2011 and professional video gaming personality, and you're listening to Pure Gold Radio.
0: Hi, I'm Anna Zelensky, and make sure to tune in to Pure Gold, where you can hear great interviews, wonderful insight, and the best talk radio around.
1: And we are back, folks. Again, this is Pure Gold. You're listening to Give the Call, 714 364 Four seven two one. will need to
0: share your thoughts with Joseph and myself, sir. Take it away. All right, sir. So, uh, talking some sports entertainment. Monday Night Raw was a couple nights ago. To be honest with you, it was ho hum. I mean, it was you know a typical Raw before pay per view. If you if you ask me, you got all five people involved from the Elimination Chamber. You had um, you know you had a couple of melee to end the pay per view uh, to end the the Raw before the pay per view. So. You know, we're we're actually one week less than a week now away from the WWE Network coming out, so that should be good. uh... I'm sure that everyone knows by now. You could order the WWE Network starting on Monday, the 24th at 9 a.m. Um, you and I again, we've talked about this about a month and a half ago, or even a month ago, probably. That we will get the station, we will get the network, so that that, that would be good to see all the old content. But sir, we are, you know. Let me just get, get your quick thoughts on Raw before we, we break down the, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Um, did, did you find anything exciting or noteworthy on your on your part?
1: Well, no, as usual I did not. But um, one thing I wanted to touch on is something that to me it's an absolute absolute joke. It's just great. I mean, if I was able to yell it, I would. Um, I heard I saw Jim Ross tweeted something, and he said that the wins and losses don't really matter in professional wrestling. Now, I'll let, you, I'll let that settle in for a second. I'll, I'll let that sink in. Jim Ross said that wins and losses don't matter in professional wrestling. Now, I know you're going to go and you're going to say, well, it's all rigged and, you know, it's all, it's all uh, fake and it's all predetermined. You know what else is predetermined? Movies are predetermined and television shows are predetermined and all this fucking garbage and reality TV, all this nonsense. Is that, all this stuff is predetermined. And people act like wrestling is a big thing. You know those soap operas that you watch, secrets that you don't tell your wife about? Yeah, those are predetermined also because somebody wrote them. It's the same thing. Problem is, my issue with professional wrestling, and this does tie into Monday Night Raw last night, if you're thinking about it, or two nights ago, Antonio Cesaro, excuse me, Cesaro, because, of course, you can't mention his first name anymore, he fought John Cena, and he lost to John Cena. Tell me why, if, if wins and losses don't matter, if it's all about the performance you shown for the crowd, why does John Cena win all the time? What was the last time John, other than to Randy Orton, I guess, what was the last time John Cena lost decisively? What was the last time John Cena lost clean? When he was in his huge feud with CM Punk, he didn't lose clean. In fact, every time Punk won, it was through some underhanded tactics. It was a weapons match. It was, you know, people distracting Cena, et cetera, et cetera. And he followed Daniel Bryan, same thing. It's never been. He was, quote-unquote, injured. Cena never loses. And if that's the case, if he never loses clean, again, other than to Orton in, in his, his latest feud, why do wins matter? Why can't Cena lose every match for six months? If wins don't matter, if they're not important, if it's all about the performance you put on, why is it that a guy like John Cena almost never loses? You tell me, sir, please explain that to me. Please tell me why why it is that we consider here as professional wrestling fans and people this people like Jim Ross who worked on the inside for years and you know, as far as a three dollar bill. Like, tell me why that doesn't matter if over the years Hogan always won. Seen uh, always won. Triple H was when he was running the things you know, in terms of being the top guy. He was always winning. A hooker by a crook, and He never lost clean. Tell me if that is true. Why don't these guys ever just lose month after month? If if it's if it's all about you know just performing. I mean that's that's the biggest load of garbage, and I hate it. I hate that these people in the know treat us like idiots. Sir. I absolutely despise it.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing too. What I don't understand is. Why do, You're right. Why does John Cena have to beat everybody all the time, except for when it comes to, I guess, Randy Orton lately? Because you had Cesaro, uh, who actually cleanly pinned Randy Orton the week before on Monday Night Raw, and now you have him go loose to John Cena. Um, to me, I mean, if you're trying to build up Cesaro, why not have him beat John Cena this past Monday? That way you could say... He beat the world heavyweight champion, and he also beat John Cena, the guy that just never loses. To me, uh, you took all the momentum away from Cesaro from the week before by having lose to John Cena, Superman. The one on the flip side, sir, I must say that um, when you look at the, the the storybook career of a Shawn Michaels, who had a losing record for for the most part at WrestleMania, for example, too, you look at him and you look at him, John Cena. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't look at the wins and losses in that regard. I look at Shawn Michaels being a bigger, much more entertainer, knew how to sell a match, knew how to sell a promo. He's the type of guy that, you know, when when these both guys are retired, when Cena decides to retire, I'm going to look at HBK and say that HBK was better than John Cena only because, not looking at wins and losses, but just looking at pure entertainment, this is the guy that, you know, really wowed me, really decided to put on a great show. John Cena you know is seen as like superman he's seen at the he's seen as the new hogan of this era where he never loses and he he can't sell a good match. or he could be losing the entire match and all of a sudden he, he comes up does the attitude adjustment match over to me that's not the sign of a good wrestler the sign of a good wrestler is again something that cuts a good promo like Shawn Michaels somebody that has a good in-story match um, you know knows how to tell a story to me wins and losses are important but when it comes down to it when you look at it when they're retired uh, uh, give me Shawn Michaels any day over John Cena.
1: I, I agree with that, sir, but the interesting thing is that when you look at the whole wins and losses issue, the HBK pretty much always lost the major matches at the end of his career. He lost both uh, Taker, et cetera, et cetera, If wins and losses don't matter, why does Taker never lose at WrestleMania? If wins and losses don't matter, you know, again, other than Shawn Michaels, who's pretty much bulletproof, mm. these guys should lose left and right. You know what? As a matter of fact, they should take HBK's... Uh, they just follow in the footsteps and just lose all the time and pull people over. But nobody's going to do that because it's all about ego. And the wins and losses do matter. To me, it's, just, it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid, sir. And it annoys the crap out of me that people act like it's not important. They act like it's not a big deal. And they'll try to tell you this when, I, when a talent loses like a Cesaro, it's not a big deal. You know, it's not about the wins and losses. But then, yeah, the Golden Boys don't ever lose. It makes me sick
0: it does and again it does it really doesn't make sense right when you have Cesaro who goes and pins Orton the, the the week before and then that loses to John Cena so what are we saying here Cesaro is again a mid-carder and he's in this this chamber match because they didn't want to put Brock Lesnar in it i mean to to be honest with you Cesaro um, is definitely a person that Cesaro uh, and Christian in this chamber match don't belong in this this uh this pay-per-view to be honest with you because i don't think they have any shot in hell <laughs> Just uh, saying that word because it's the Elimination Chamber. I don't think they have any shot, to be honest with you, to win the the World Heavyweight Title this Sunday. What, what do you what do you think about the actual pay per view, the main event, the Elimination Chamber?
1: Um, I would love to see a guy like Cesaro win, but I mean Orton's going to win it because he's going to main event WrestleMania. I'm still baffles me why well, anybody likes Randy Orton or anybody thinks he has any chance. But yeah, so uh, I mean the Elimination Chamber sounds good, but Orton's going to win. So I take a big old
0: on it. I know I know it's not like, you know, fantasy booking. I would love to honestly replace Christian and Cesaro with like Brock Lesnar and, uh, you know, Batista and have those six people in the match. You know, you have your top your top tier all wrestling one pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Uh, that might sell a little bit more than, you know, having Christian and Cesaro in there. What do you think about like replacing Cesaro and Christian with like Brock Lesnar and Batista? Um
1: uh, I mean, you're talking about WrestleMania to have them at WrestleMania.
0: No, I'm talking about putting them all, putting them in the chamber, replacing Christian with Batista. Oh,
1: Sorry, yeah. I, was, I was looking at something over here. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to see, I wouldn't want to see Christian go. But the fact that they're having Batista fight um, Antonio, uh, Antonio, they're having him fight Alberto Del Rio, uh, as you would say, um, you know, Alberto Del Rio is going to be facing him in this world called grudge match. You know, he already has his locked-up title shot at WrestleMania. He's very main events, so I don't see why they would do that. But in terms of star power, yeah, uh, Lesnar and Lesnar and uh, Batista would definitely be a better additions in that
0: So we're both in agreement that Randy Orton will walk out because you know he pretty much lost to everybody. Uh, he ran the gauntlet, or, or so they say, you know he lost to, to Daniel Bryan uh, disqualification. John Cena pinned him, of course. What else is new? uh Cesaro pinned him which was good but then took all the momentum away by losing to John Cena this week. Uh Christian he did Orton did beat Christian and uh you know, he did lose to Sheamus via disqualification. So, you know, I agree that, you know, you have Randy Orton going into WrestleMania for whatever reason. I think that, you know, because he's the the first ever, you know, world uh, world heavyweight champion, um I think he does get the right to go to WrestleMania and represent as the champion against Batista, but at that point if Batista doesn't win that title at WrestleMania, I have no idea what they're trying to do. Um, so you got that match. You, you have a couple other matches that are interesting. You have an Intercontinental title match between Big E and Jack Swagger. All of a sudden, it seems like Jack Swagger's now back in the good graces of the WWE, sir. I, I guess he paid his dues from that whole incident with the uh, the drinking and driving. What, what are your thoughts on that, this match?
1: Um, and honestly... I- I don't know, sir. But I'd like to, before we touch on this, I'd like to go back to the uh, the main event. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, if, if the Caesar doesn't win at WrestleMania, et cetera, et cetera. But what about Daniel Bryan? Where is he going to factor
0: into all this? Um, that's a good point. I, I mean, the the real, I guess, the real question is, is that are they finally? Is the WWE finally ready to give in and finally? Because you know, Daniel Bryan has been white hot with all the fans over the last couple months. Um. But then you you know you talk about like somebody waiting in the wings. I think Brock Lesnar wants a, a title shot. Maybe he's just there um, to I, I don't know what he's there for. He's a part time wrestler as we know. Um, but Daniel Bryan should be you know your champion heading into WrestleMania at the very least. I think um, I, I don't I don't know what they're thinking, sir. I mean. Is Triple H ready to finally give up and say, you know, I want Daniel Bryan to be the face of the, of the WWE? I, I just don't know if he's ready in, terms, in Triple H's eye. I, know, I think he's ready in my eyes. I think he's ready in the fans' eyes. But I, I just don't know if Triple H is sold on him yet.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think that he's sold on him. But, um, I mean, there's always, of course, the rumors he's going to fight. Uh, Triple H and Daniel Bryan are going to fight at WrestleMania. I mean, I, I think Daniel Bryan needs to go over this WrestleMania as world champion. Um... WWE World Heavyweight Champion, whatever you want to call it. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Honestly, I think that he needs to, but I guess we'll see where that goes. I mean, I'm definitely a fan of, uh, of his, you know, not, seriously over-the-top, but, you know, ever since CM Punk <laughs> took his ball and went home, and apparently, uh, side-balling, side-balling off to of that, apparently PM, uh, CM Punk was granted his release for the WWE Easter. It's not, it hasn't been officially announced, but uh, give us your thoughts on that real quick.
0: No, that's that's incredible that they actually granted him his release. I i guess that um... they're officially done with him. I mean, if somebody doesn't want to be part of your organization and obviously doesn't believe in your vision and decides to walk out on you, I mean, wh- what can you possibly do? You could try to convince him to come back. You could try to convince him to see the big picture. But it seems like CM Punk forgot that you know the WWE allowed him to be champion for 400 and whatever days, 434 days. Second longest reign in the modern era Or, or the longest reign, I forget now But, uh, you know It's interesting that CM Punk decides to leave Right before the, the road to Wrestlemania I think it's a big mistake But who am I to, you know To tell what CM Punk thinks or feels Because, you know, everyone's different uh, I personally think it was a big mistake on his part to, to, to be asked to be released
1: I I mean, I agree with you But, you know what, good riddance I'm the hell out of here he was unhappy, he was crying, and, and I, I understand that, you know, everybody has their own way of dealing with it, but I mean, you're you're locked into a contract, and you know what, Through you. You're making a ton of money. You're making more money than, you know, people would would kill to make the kind of money that Punk was making for the WWE, and if he's financially secure, that's good for him, but uh, you know what, um, rather than prepared, walking out Walking out in the company, you make us all sick. There's no if, ands, or buts about it.
0: So going back to my uh, the other match that's on the card, sir, is Jack Swagger back in the good graces of WWE? He won his his uh, right to to get an intercontinental title match with Big E at the pay-per-view. Do you think that uh, he's on the in, in the good graces again, or do you think that this is just a Big E squash match? I
1: hope it's not a Big E squash match. I mean, I, you know, his outfit's ridiculous, and Big E is just as stupid as Big E Langston, a ridiculous name, but. Um... I think that you get, you know, putting swagger in there is a good thing if you're going to let him go 10-15 minutes and really put on a, a wrestling clinic and do his job. I think if you're going to allow him to wrestle, which he excels at, that's about the only thing he excels at, um, then it's a good idea. But if you're going to have him get stopped on Big E, I think that's a bad moment. Hopefully that's not the case, sir.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm tired of Big E being the champion. I mean, I, I think the intercontinental title and the U.S. title, I've said this for years now, I think those are two titles that should be defended on Raw and SmackDown and they they just don't get defended enough. Um the Intercontinental title is is useless if you ask me if it's not going to be defended regularly. It's actually on this card so if, that's kind of interesting, but again, if it's not going to be defended regularly, it's not going they're not going to put an emphasis on that title anymore. Uh, and Dean Ambrose owns the, the US title and you know, they're they're trying to play it off like, you know, that he can never lose it because he always gets help from the, uh, his other uh, pe- uh, other peeps from the Shield, but uh, I-, I don't care about this match. I just brought it up only because I thought it was interesting that Jack Swagger somehow earned the title match at a pay-per-view. So I thought that maybe he's ready to um, you know step up again because this guy, let's not forget, was a World Heavyweight Champion at one point. He yeah, was. I mean,
1: another uh, another bad move uh, on the WWE's part. Now, if they're not going to go with money in the bank, it makes me wonder. You know, if they're not going to do that at WrestleMania, it makes me wonder how you're going to get these guys' title shots. But I guess with only one title, you don't really need that. Um, truth be told, you mentioned your kind of title. He the U.S. title. Um, has been the U.S. champion forever. I think at the end of the day, sir, what they need to do is combine these titles. It makes no sense to have two mid-card titles and one upper title. Um, and I agree with you. They, these titles should be defended on SmackDown and Raw every 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 episode. If you're gonna have both of them separately, every episode of SmackDown defend the, U- the U.S. title, every episode of Raw defend the Intercontinental title. <laughs> That's just the way it should be. If not, you know, just, you know, just combine them into one.
0: That's it. Um, the next match is interesting, and um, you know, I I I have no way of getting this to Vince McMahon, but I'll be honest with you. This next match is interesting. If you were able to contact. Somebody uh and let's see if you could guess where I'm going with this d g uh you have Darren Young versus Titus o'neil and I hear Titus O'Neil cut a really good promo and he's now in the good graces of Vince McMahon as a singles wrestler, and I think that they're really happy with his progression as a heel uh singles wrestler, but sir, uh this match, Darren Young versus Titus o'neil you know who I would be contacting as my special guest referee for this match uh, Kevin uh yeah, close, I guess. I'd be contacting Michael Sam to see if he wants to be the special referee for this match.
1: You're an absolute fool, sir. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> all I can sweat well, at.
0: Hey, let's not forget how happy... What happened?
1: Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Um, wait. Well, let, let's, uh... Let's, let's, let's...
0: You make us all sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, no, no, wait a second. No, wait a
1: second, Dave. Wait,
0: there, Dude. He's first of,
1: of all, first wait. First of all, where is Wait a second, David. For a second, let me. Wait a second. Wait a second. What is the point?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what do you think about the Daniel Bryan, Titus, so Daniel Bryan, <laughs> <Aaron> Young, <laughs> Titus <laughs> O'Neil match? I mean, where do you think they're? Apparently, um, Vince McMahon and, and Triple H are high on uh, high on, on crack, but they're high on uh, Titus O'Neil right now. They're gonna let him sink or swim, or anything like that.
0: I'm not a big fan of Titus O'Neil's tights, to be honest with you. I think he needs a new new attire because I, I think those tights are a little too short, if you ask me. That's a little too much for me. But uh, I, I, let's not forget what this whole Darren Young thing, when he came out, I don't know how many months ago it was that he announced that he was uh, gay, and uh, how proud, just like Michelle Obama was proud of Michael Sam coming out, let's not forget how proud uh, Stephanie McMahon, 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 McMahon was. <laughs> When Darren Young came out a couple months ago, I mean uh, the storylines are similar. I mean, why not get Michael Hello? Sam to come in?
1: Hello, Joe.
0: No? Yeah.
1: Wait, Darren Young is gay? Well, did I miss something?
0: Darren Young is not gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Michael Sam, Darren Young. I mean, I just I don't know. I, I honestly thought they were gonna they were gonna capitalize on the whole homosexual thing, but they didn't. It's interesting. They haven't had anything with
0: it. To be honest with you. <laughs> so you have that match. You have the WWE Tag Team Champions, are the two people that were on our show, Billy Gunn and, and uh, you know, the badass Billy Gunn and uh, the Road Dog defending their titles against the the new generation, the Usos. You know. It seems like this is the type of uh, match that, uh, you know, the tag team champs, the New Age Outlaws will eventually just give the uh, pass the torch. It might be a passing the torch type match. I think the Usos are ready to become the tag team champions. Uh, the New Age Outlaws carried the titles, but let's face it, they're, they are kind of over the hill, sir. They're entertaining, still, yes, but uh, I don't see them winning this match. I think the Usos become your new tag team champions.
1: I agree with you. I mean, I think they should do that, but... The interesting thing, sir, I'm looking at WWE.com, and you know who's on the main cover, the main splash page of WWE.com, sir?
0: It's got to be the New Age <laughs> Uh
1: No, actually, it's Sting. There's an okay. article by Bill After, you know, well-known WWE, excuse me, well-known sports entertainment journalist, Bill After, and he's writing an article behind the pain of Sting. The reason I bring it up is because there have been rumors for the longest time that Sting will indeed time with his WWE, and he will be a part of it. It's not WrestleMania 30, than WrestleMania 31. Um, give us your thoughts on that, sir, because this is the first time they've ever really profiled things, and uh, the rumors have been going out there for months. I mean, he hasn't showed up on TNA in a long time. So give us your thoughts on that, sir.
0: <laughs> he hasn't showed up on TNA in a long time. It was only like about two or three weeks ago that he lost a career-ending match to uh, their champion. I don't know who the, the British guy is uh, anymore, but anyway. Uh, I it'd be inter- interesting. Time. Yeah, Magnus, right
1: weeks you fool. it's been longer than two or three weeks.
0: Oh, it's been a month. <laughs> I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? So you know what? I, I got, I got, I got, a, I got a couple words for you, actually. As a matter of fact, I got, uh, I got three words for you. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> let's, let's find it here. Let's go through the archives, folks. I mean, oh, yeah. go <laughs> What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fine. As I'm looking for my archive, I guess I can't find it right now. <laughs> um, let me see here. Shame on you! <laughs> um, yeah, I can't find it. Um, anyway, so I Sting, you know. I throw
1: this out. Bang, 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 bang.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, there is it is. Try
1: and stop it. Bang,
0: bang, Here I, here I come
1: in CG history. It was the first time we ever played
0: that. But continue, sir, please. <laughs> continue. But you know, having Sting over the Hill Sting it doesn't really excite me anymore, just like Undertaker coming back for WrestleMania doesn't excite me. I think that Sting missed the boat years ago when he could have been here, uh, would have been a big impact player on the WWE roster. Um he it'd be nice the- to see
1: You mean when Sting was fifty? I mean, the, it was for well, years no, ago, I mean, sexy, right? the guy was like 50 years old, or you know, or 60. I don't even. I mean, Sting is been old for a, since I can remember. You know, I, mean, I don't know what kind of impact player he would have been, but uh, <laughs> I just think it's interesting you're talking about Sting being an impact player. I mean, it was just what 15 years ago he was wrestling uh, his last match in WCW Nitro. I mean, the guy's still wrestling. Yeah, he wrestles on a t-shirt, but you know what the hell? Who doesn't wrestle on a t-shirt? I mean, you know, really, the what do what, what we on here? As a matter of fact, Sting is uh, 54, so, uh, yeah, 10 years ago, wow. he just hit it. Yeah, that, they, could, they could have really built the company around him.
0: They could, they could have definitely done something with, with Sting, but it would be interesting. It would be nice to see him in the WWE. I think that that's where he um, doesn't belong, but I think that's where he's going to enter the Hall of Fame. Having him in the, the TNA Hall of Fame is whatever. I think, you know, if you want to really be known, you want to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, even though that's a shame of a Hall of Fame, too. Um, but having Sting here should be interesting. Uh, again, he he doesn't put on a good match anymore, sir. So, so if you're telling me that you want to see him in a match against somebody, I mean, whatever at this point. Uh, speaking of whatever at this point, I think Hogan's supposed to make an appearance this Monday on, on Raw on the 24th. Have you heard any of those type of rumors? Uh, Yeah, it
1: could happen. I was the one who told you about it. So, uh, yeah, I think that... Uh... I think it's gonna be exciting. watch watching the host, the latest act, like he used to do it—you know, drop a couple of big boots, some big, big uh, legs—and I mean, Hogan is probably gonna win the title on Monday um,
0: <laughs> If Hogan uh, wins the title, then I am Jiminy cricket. <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> you were saying?
0: I was saying, um, so you got that match. You have the, the the interesting. I guess the most interesting match because Batista versus Albert Del Rio, and again, I still call him Albert Del Rio. That's just a complete squash match. Batista should be able to to really pretty much destroy Albert Del Rio. The, the and the most intriguing match to me, besides the the main event, which is not even as intriguing as this match, is you have two heels against each other. You got the Shield versus the Wyatt family. I don't know where they're going with this. Um, unless there, this is going to be start of the breakup of the Shield, so that, um, I don't know why I can't think of any names. I'm just terrible with names. The big guy on the Shield, is, it's about time that he goes and becomes a single wrestler. I think everyone loves him. Uh, I'm sure you could tell me his name as I uh, stumble and bumble once again.
1: Yeah, sounds good, sir.
0: <laughs> you don't even know his name either. What's the guy? That's the big guy on, on the Shield.
1: Oh, you're talking Roman Reigns?
0: Uh, Roman Reigns, yeah. I think out of the six people, I think Roman Reigns has the biggest potential to become a great singles wrestler. I think he's got, you know, he's got obviously the build for it. I I think that he could really put on a good match. So unless this is building towards the end of the Shield, I don't know why this match is happening. It's two heels. Who are the fans supposed to root for? The the Shield has been a thorn in most of the faces of the WWE side, and and the Wyatt family is just a, just a weird, weird, weird threesome so I I don't know about this match it's intriguing only because again it's it's a heel versus heel any thoughts on what's going to happen with this match sir
1: yeah I think uh, the heels are going
0: to win yeah good break good analysis there
1: why do we break it? Who the hell cares? Uh, do you care about the pay per view on Sunday? Because <laughs> I sure as hell no don't. I mean, WrestleMania is, is in April. I, honestly, I don't care what the hell happens on Sunday. <laughs> I just want to see, you know, the WWE network. I want to see how this thing works. I want to hear you complaining about it in, you know, six months when the price is like forty bucks a month. <laughs> I want to hear you complaining, talking about how you have to pull. Sabrina, out of her expensive private school, and put away the Lear and the limousines and everything else your wife takes to work, just because you guys couldn't afford it anymore, you couldn't afford the pate and the caviar and everything else. And that's what I want to hear. How WWE now cost you, you know, uh, cost you therapy and counseling with your wife and counseling uh, because you're so distraught over it. That's what I want to hear.
0: That's an excellent segue to to really close out the show with uh, some rapid fire. Go off on on whatever you want to go off on because I, I got some nuggets for you. Because you're right, I, I tried to sell the pay per view, but you know what, so, folks? Uh, the the pay per view is uh, I would not buy it. Obviously, definitely, maybe, especially with the WWE Network coming out uh... the day after, and you could get all the pay per views afterwards for 9.99 a month plus all the old content and the new content and the new content. So. Let's go with the last five minutes, sir. An unfortunate, unfortunate, um, you know, note on society these days. You know, we've had a lot of snow. It's it's no, no joke that we've had a lot of snow in the northeast here. And, you know, tensions run high, it seems, when, you know, when, when things happen, like people can't find parking spots down the street because there's so much snow that there's mountains of snow. But then you have the people that dig out their cars. Yeah, it's your job to dig out your car, by the way. And then they decide to put a lawn chair or or a cone or something in there to claim their spot. Like, do you ever claim your spot like that when there's no snow or there's no, like, you know, inclement weather where you should, you know, uh, to me it makes no sense. Sir. And for you, to, there was an incident with you that happened over the past week where somebody actually decided to, with with hate and with evil intent, to go off on you and your wife because you had taken a spot that had a cone or a chair in it, sir. Can you just please clarify, please justify what happened and your thoughts now that's been like three days removed.
1: Yeah, I mean, three uh, I just, you know, people baffle me. Is all I can say. I mean, I can't tell you <coughs> where, because you know, I don't want to have any, I don't want to have to, you know, shank someone. But the truth of the matter is that the other day my wife and I came home and you know, Joe is correct. We, um. You didn't remove a chair for a parking spot. As everyone knows, Joe just said that parking in the winter is difficult here in this area, especially with the brutal winter that we've had. And what baffles me, what's always baffled me, is people saving their spots with chairs. Now, people get upset. Well, let's start with the fact. The fact of the matter is that it's uh, it's illegal. You can't do it. It's against the law. The streets that we park on don't belong to us. They belong to the city. Just like if uh, there was a parking... You know, if there was a street cleaning sign on a Wednesday, you can't park between 12 and 4. And you decide, you know what, I don't care about the law, I'm going to park here anyway. You know what, your car's getting towed. The problem with the snow is that, I mean, the cops definitely can't be out there giving everyone a ticket for using those chairs and, you know, towing cars, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's not legal, and um, you're not supposed to do it. And, you know, what baffles me is, again, people say stuff, and I've heard this from pretty much everyone. They'll say stuff like, oh, you know, I spent three hours digging out that spot, that spot belongs to me, um, Here's the newest seeing it. The spot belongs to you just as much as my wife belongs to you, meaning it doesn't belong to you at all because it's someone else's property. Second of all, the only reason you dug out that spot is because you had to dig out your car from this snow so that you can run your errands, that so you can go to work, you can do whatever it is you needed to do. You didn't do someone else a favor. You didn't do the city a favor. It's not like you're going around and randomly digging out people's cars to help them get out of this, you know, this mess. No, you're you're digging out a spot that didn't belong to you in the first place and then you're putting a chair or some, you know, lawn furniture or whatever, a puppy to hold your spot. Again, it's not legal and what baffles me is how people get upset and think that the spot belongs to them. They get mad. The only reason I have never up until this past incident, you know, I had never moved one of those things is because uh, I was always afraid of somebody slashing my tires or somebody, you know, breaking a window or whatever the case is because people are animals. Hence what happened with me. You know, this woman uh, next to her neighbor went nuts. I can't repeat any of the stuff that she said. I mean, just foul, explicit, laden, racist, just totally bigoted, horrible, offensive stuff. at My wife removing that, I mean, just totally went nuts. And the funniest part of the whole thing, we had to call the police. The police came, they gave us the right. They said we were right, she was wrong. Shut up, go inside, blah, blah, blah. Um, the funniest thing of I it mean also is that this woman was fighting over a spot that wasn't hers. She didn't even park there. A neighbor who apparently lives in my building, parked there and then used her garbage can to hold the spot. So she was going nuts over somebody else's parking spot. I mean, just going crazy, like I said, yelling obscenities and profanities and all kinds of terrible things at my wife and myself. And, you know, it's just, um, it's this bad world that we live in where people think that they can get away with these things and say whatever they want and do whatever they want. But again, what really baffles me is how people feel that, a spot belongs to them. Like I said, you're not doing the city a favor. You're digging your own car out. You're not you're not doing any good for anybody but yourself. So how is that that spot belongs to you and you can reserve it when you I'm gonna do I'm gonna put chairs when when I degrees outside. Because I don't want somebody taking my parking spot. I mean it's absolutely ridiculous though. And what baffles me is that you have a low life and I mean this as nicely as possible, you have people sick people would then go and not only mess up cars, personal property, go nuts, curse them out, but then you have other people who, who I think are also, there's something wrong with them saying that if somebody took my spot that it took two hours to dig out, I'm going to go spend two hours digging them into the spot. If you have that kind of time to do that, you're sick and you need help. What do you think about that, sir? Go to hell. <laughs> Was that aimed at me or was it aimed at people who feel that way, who, who who steal spots from other people? And the other thing, too, is I have two small children. Nobody in this building, except for, I think, the first floor, nobody in this building really has small children. You know, the people who hold these spots and do this stuff. So the fact that I have terrible neighbors is bad. But the fact that people feel like, you know what, uh, right, you have a two-year-old, you have a, a three-month-old, whatever the case is, and I want mean, to be pregnant, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm all, I I'm, I can walk. I am perfectly healthy. Let me take the spot from somebody who, belong, who who needs it. That really makes me sick, sir. And honestly, does now again, give us your take on it. Since you're the one who brought it up,
0: I bring it up because uh, it's just when I heard the story, when I I had read about it, and because uh, you had posted it on, and, and your wife had posted it on it. Uh, we know that Kelly is like the you know the the money bags of the um, this organization. I mean, if it wasn't for Kelly, Pure Girl wouldn't be on the air right now. But um that's neither here nor there. I I totally support that 100%. So when I heard that story though, I mean it was just it was so baffling to me that somebody would come out with such hate towards towards your wife about a spot. I mean, what are we, you know, have we really become that bad of a society? I I guess we have where where people are so evil and so hateful towards, you know, taking a spot that's not even, you know, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the town um... and again in the summertime if it's really hot out, out i'm not putting a cone out there i'm not reserving my spot so what makes you think you can reserve your spot in the winter time and yet you might have dug out your own spot because that's where your car was when it snowed but nobody ever said that that's your spot i mean show me where it is uh... I, I hate the fact that this happened to you and your wife i'm glad that you know you're able to forgive and forget i hope because you know in the end it's really something stupid to, to, to really quarrel about uh, I just I just feel bad and hopefully that this never happens to you again and hopefully this still melts and we can just move on from this ugly situation
1: Yeah, I mean definitely, definitely you're right sir. but the sad thing about the whole situation is that this woman was yelling racial slurs at us because we were Hispanic and totally yeah. showed off the type of you know, just miserable terrible human being that she is it's just it just baffles me. It honestly baffles me. You know, screaming, ranting, raving about her political affiliation, which uh, we happen to be the same political party, by the way. You know, about Hispanics, all their garbage, this and that. I mean, you know, saying that, you know, where she was from and, you know, this is her town and this and that. I mean, last time I checked, I could be wrong, but this town is run, it's filled with Portuguese people. And last time I checked, Portuguese people are Latin. You know, just like I am Yeah, they're not Hispanic But they're not white They're not American They're not Caucasian Is, 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 this, is this country not built on You know, bring me your tired Bring me your poor, Bring me your, you know uh, your, your weary, et cetera, et cetera Like uh, Old Lady Liberty says I mean, it's a joke People are, people are just dirtbags And, you know, they use any anything to drink And to mask their to Try to mask their, their sick You know, demented thoughts about other people And then, you know, act like nothing happens I mean, that's the part that really gets me is that people would get so upset over a parking spot, like you said, that does not belong to them. It is absolute, complete, and I'm a joke.
0: I agree with you. But let me just ask you before we close out the show, did your wife and did you have a happy anniversary, did your wife have a happy birthday besides this incident? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, we went to Cracker Barrel. We were, I'm telling you, sir, we were all over the place. My, uh, my wife loves Cracker Barrel a huge fan of it. Um, you know, we went, we got some amazing pancakes, some amazing, uh, you know, ghoul, some uh, umgats. I mean, it was wonderful. Um, I was going to go to your favorite restaurant, Olive Garden, and have their wonderful Italian cuisine, you know, put a little gravy on everything. But um, we went out to eat uh, at a, a couple of different places last week. and I, I actually, the thing, she had a happy birthday song. Three different places that we went to. So you know what? I think... Uh, I think I did a good job, and every time she was surprised, which is great. <laughs> I, I got to love that, Sarah. Uh, you know, it was definitely a, a fun time, and we were able to enjoy the anniversary. It's a, not as exciting as we would have liked, but you know what? Next year is the five-year anniversary, so we got to do something extra special, possibly, you know. But, uh, you know, Cabo or, or some foreign island, some foreign place, and, you know, make some money, sir. Make some, make some dough.
0: You know, definitely keeping it PG, but I just don't want to wish Kelly... You know, again, a happy birthday, and, you know, to you guys, a happy anniversary. Yeah, maybe the five-year anniversary might bring this. Bang, 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 And then, you know, a third kid might pop up, so we never know. I mean, you know, that's why they call PG. So, sir, I think on that note, we've covered everything and anything tonight. Let's do it again next week. But tonight was proof that Elwood that uh, doesn't really follow us as well as we thought he would. You know, we do our show Monday, Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday like we did tonight, and Elwood was not a – he was a no-show. So uh, demerits for him, sir, demerits for him, and uh, hopefully he does call in next week.
1: (laughs) Definitely. I'm sure Elwood is listening right now, and he's probably sad because he didn't call in. But, uh, you know, we'll forgive Elwood for for failing us this week. But, folks, uh, you know, again, make sure you tune in every week, Pure Gold. We never know when the hell we're going to be on. Check us out next week, probably Monday, maybe Tuesday, I don't know. Actually, no, definitely Monday, because Monday is the first day of the WWE Network, and of course, we're going to see Hulk Hogan, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. so we will definitely be watching Raw, and we'll definitely cover our show 1115 next week. Folks, have a wonderful evening. Again, check us out, dot david it's a reminding you to always keep it easy. woo.
0: What's okay. your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. (laughs) Pure gold.
1: You guys are awesome. Good night, everyone.